Hi, this is Steve. And this is Lisa. And this is our podcast, I Married a History Teacher. Mm-hmm. I didn't marry a history teacher, though. I married Lisa. What if you had this whole time? And I was just such a bad history teacher that I didn't even know the basics and I hid it from you. But That would explain a lot about the current state of the American education system. <laughs> nice. Yeah, twisted on Yeah, you. well, it's really been actually on my mind a lot. Oh, for the record... I'm not and was not ever a history teacher. Yeah, I'm the history teacher. And I was, was a former <laughs> history teacher. <laughs> and I uh, was a very, very poor history student in high school as well, so now I'm catching up um, publicly and sometimes a little bit of embarrassment, but it's fine. It's good to be honest about what you do and don't know. Yeah. Um, no embarrassment, Liz. No embarrassment. But anyways, no I was saying that the American education system has really been on my mind lately because we watched that documentary. I know it's super old. Um and I'm looking at you now, and also, you usually have a format for the beginning of our podcast, and I'm really just taking us down a turn. Well, you're talking about waiting for, waiting for Superman? Yes. Yeah. We're about, like, eight years late on this this train, though. Yeah. Well, if you want to be upset and stressed about something that came out eight years ago, uh, I recommend you check it out. Yeah, and you, you can't even get mad at us for not being topical, because nothing has changed since the eight years. Like, we're still Americans... Education system is still flailing. It really did seem like it could have been made yesterday. Yeah. Which is sad. Yeah, I, I, you probably could have made it yesterday. Not mm-hmm. not much would be different. Oof. Except Michelle Rhee wouldn't be a head of D.C.'s public schools anymore. That's the main difference. Yeah. Um, but I will say, you know, we've helped out by removing you from that system, putting you on a podcast, and broadcasting yeah. you to the world. Modern education. <laughs> Podcasts. Yeah. It's all, yeah. it's all where it starts. Tune in and drop out has a whole new meaning. <laughs> That's a hippie reference right there. That's good. I yeah. like that. Thank you. That was clever. I just came up it with was. that. It was. You're a clever boy. Oh, well, thank you. Stop it. Stop <laughs> it, Lise. Uh, but anyway, we're coming at you from our studio today in Washington, D.C. So we went weeks and weeks and weeks without ever being here to broadcast, and now we're here twice in a row. We did our communist episode from D.C. last week. Yeah. As Drake would say, back to back. Back to back. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Also, my second favorite Drake song. Second favorite? Yeah. Back to back is my second favorite. Ooh, is your favorite, um, I can literally hear the song in my head. And Just now, hold on, we're coming home. Yeah, yeah. I don't even know what that song is actually called. I think it going is. Going home, coming home. Hold on. I don't hold know. Hold on. One of the, I know, we're I made that up. going home. I think it's hold on, we're going home. Oh, yeah. I think it is. Favorite actually. of all time right there. It is a good song. Yeah. It's got a great, um, literally don't even know the word for it, but. Beat? No, no, no. Yeah, I, I know what a beat is. But, like, uh, you have all those, like, fancy terms with, like, riffs and blah, blah, blahs. And I don't know. That kind of changes when it's just computer music. like. Drum. Yeah, no, I guess that's true. All right, well, then it has a good beat. Now, mm-hmm. Lisa, yeah? as you know, but not all of our listeners, actually many of our listeners do know because I've talked to them about it already, but I'm working on a three-part epic about the ten most influential women of all time. Mm. I'm not going to talk too much about it because we have three episodes to talk about this stuff. Okay. But I do not feel prepared to start it tonight because I want it to be so epic. And I'm almost done. I can maybe do it tonight, but I don't, I'm not quite ready. Yes. So I'm going to wait till next week or at least the next time we pod because we're going to be in Chicago next week. Um, so we'll find out. We'll see. We'll see. Mm-hmm. So tonight, what we're going to do is get really back to our roots. Okay? Mm-hmm. We have a topic tonight that is like straight out of a high school curriculum. I'm not using notes. You see notes on me, Lise? You see my computer out? I mean, unless they're invisible. No, I'm not. I ain't that got that technology on me. <laughs> all right? No, no notes. I'm going off the dome because it is one of my favorite lessons I used to teach right from the curriculum when I was a teacher. 
Okay. This is fun. Right? You ready for this, Lise? Yes, although aren't you curious about what's happening right now? There have been sirens and cop cars flying by this house for like the last several minutes. It's a lot of... Yeah, well, they heard my pod was fire. (laughs) (laughs) Crushing these jokes tonight. Crushing jokes. (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) All right, anyways, yes. All right, so Lisa, tonight we're going to talk about a 21-year period. Okay. Okay. The years mm-hmm. are between 1918 and 1939. What okay. is significant about that time span, Lisa? That's what you'd call the, the sandwich meat of the World War sandwich. <laughs> sure. I like it. That's actually the official language in the <laughs> curriculum of the state of Virginia, too. Yeah, I guess I was paying attention. Yeah. 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 We refer to it, yeah, in, in, at least in the state of Virginia, uh, as the interwar period, the time between the wars. Interwar period. Okay. Yeah. We're not talking about wars tonight, all right, American males. No, don't <laughs> sit here and like want me to talk about the goddamn Battle of the Bulge. I'm not doing it. All right. Not doing it. We're talking about non-war shit. This is mostly diplomatic and economics and political-based shit that we're talking. Yeah, but we're still the suckers because we're still framing it in the context of wars. That is true. Which is what all of society does, really. Yeah. Which I don't blame them. I mean, wars are pretty. I mean, you can't really forget that. You know, there you can't was, forget a war. There was pre-World War II and there was post-World War II. And there's a know? lot of drama. Lots lot of, of drama. drama. Yeah. Um. But okay, so we're, we're doing the sandwich we're, meat. We're, we're doing the sandwich meat tonight. Yeah. Okay. Now, do you know any nicknames of World War One? Oh. Or just names, because we, didn't, we didn't originally call it World War One when it was going on. Wow, fascinating. It yeah. was just the World War then. We did call it World... We didn't actually call it that either. Actually, when it was going on, I believe it, we called it the Great War. Huh. But then someone was like, eh, doesn't ring as well as I'd like. And we, Yeah. So we started calling it the World War... When other people got involved, like a like a decade after it happened, mm-hmm. is when that language started to come around, and then the Second World War came out, and then it was like pretty solidified. But we used to call it the Great War. But one of the things we called it was a war to end all wars. World War One, one of the most ironic nicknames. It's like calling someone Tiny Tim when they weigh like eight hundred pounds, right? It's like calling World War One the end to war, end all wars was ridiculous because if anything, it was literally just a precursor to World War Two. Yeah, exactly. It was like a, just an opening act. Um, but yeah. I also, just to make sure I have this straight, I've also heard people refer to World War II as the war that did end all wars. Is that accurate? And maybe from that originally mm. being like, oh, that really should have been that one. I guess that's yet to be seen, right? I mean, it literally didn't end all wars. Well, it would never be seen, right? Unless war- unless Earth ended. And then we'd be like, that was definitely yeah. the second and last World War. Yeah, who knows? Like, <laughs> who knows? Maybe because... Nuclear weapons are like the greatest thing that happens to humanity because we'll never see a war like World War II again because everyone's terrified of being nuked. Yeah, people make arguments about that all the time, right? I mean, isn't it like a international relations theory that yeah. around? Yeah, around. but we're getting into Cold War talk. Okay, so okay, sorry. Digress. Yeah, we're let's giving digress. we're giving all the people let's their digress. war talk. Yeah, but yeah, we yeah. Have to go back and make them unhappy. <laughs> right. Yeah. All right. So let's talk about. Let's find out what happened. I'm going to talk just you know straight up history about the shit that was going on that just. The war to end all wars was really just like a stepping stone to World War II. Yes. All right, so let's find out what was going on. We're okay. going to talk Europe and Asia tonight. Okay. If I forget a little bit too much about Asia, remind me that I need to talk Asia and quit being such a goddamn Westerner. All right. All right. That's tough for me, though. Well, we're going to start in the West. I can't believe I'm Well, World War I didn't happen in Asia. They were neutral, not involved, so we have to start in the West. 
No, 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 I know. I was just saying I didn't trust myself as the good, a good policer of you because I am also of European descent. Although Eastern European. Uh, maybe I'm the bridge. I'm the bridge between Europe and Asia. It's a perfect role for me, actually. Yeah. Eastern Eurasia. Oh, because you're a Russian? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. All right, sure. Perfect. Good. Yeah, and we all know how great Russia is as a partner between Europe and Asia. <laughs> great <laughs> sure, peacemakers. Sure, sure. Anyways, okay. Now, now I'm listening. World War One is going to end, and the general nature of the way it ends is going to play a large role, which is... At the end of World War I, you're going to see the collapse of a whole bunch of massive empires and royal families. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yep, the Habsburgs. Nice, Lise, look at you. Mm-hmm. You're going to see the fall of Austria-Hungary and the Habsburg. Mm-hmm. The Ottoman Empire, which has been around for 500 years, over 500 years, is going to collapse. Mm-hmm. Uh, the German Empire is going to shrink a bunch and down into the country of Germany. Right. All right, and it's lots of that stuff. Russia is a big one because Russia is going to go from the Russian Empire mm-hmm. to collapse into a country called the Soviet Union. Soviet Union, right? We talked about this a lot in our communist tomatoes. Okay, it's, it's just hard to imagine anything collapsing into something smaller that is still the Soviet Union. Right. Well, there. that's a great point. But what's going to happen is uh, it's going to collapse into the Soviet Union. And imme- the first thing they're going to do is seed a bunch of land. Mm-hmm. So if you look at a map, 1914 Russian Empire versus 1917 when they dropped out, to drop out of the war, they just gave away a bunch of their eastern lands. Mm-hmm. You're going to see the creation of the Baltic states like Estonia, Latvia, Lithuania. You're going to see the creation of Poland, stuff like that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, so they're going to collapse. Something fascinating to do. Maybe I'll finally put something on Twitter. A fascinating thing to do is to look at a map of Europe in 1914 and then a map of Europe in 1920 after the war. Sounds like a BuzzFeed just waiting to happen. Sure. But if you look at 1914, it looks like there's about 12 countries in Europe on a map. Uh 1920, it about doubles because all of these empires and kingdoms collapse. And then you see all these little smaller countries that exist. And they are trying to start these cute little democracies. Cutesy. Yes. Now, Lisa, to be successful Mm -hmm. as a country, you need something. Well, you need a lot of things. You need a lot of things. And a lack of a lot of things. But in this modern world, what's the number one thing you always need to do anything? Power. No. Army. Don't need power. Don't need an army. This comes first. In fact, you can't have an army without it. People. Okay. Population. Even more than people. You can argue it now. What is more important than people in any country? It's It's resources. Is money. Money. Okay. And resources. You wouldn't have money without people. I'm just saying. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough. Your mind can go a lot of places in that question. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. the sirens mm-hmm. are still going by our house. It's, it's very distracting. Yeah. There must be a serious... I mean, this is a serious situation. We're going to do some Googling after this. Yeah, we will. We'll update you guys in our next episode, <laughs> too. Um, okay. But yeah, so you need money, right? You need money yeah. for a country, yeah. But not only do you need money to start a democracy and form a new country, it's really hard to do that... Because they're just coming out of a war, and wars, Lisa, are expensive. Wars are expensive. Extremely and expensive. It's, a, it's kind of a myth that wars are good for the economy. Um, I think we've covered this. Uh, in a, I think in a, me, oh, I thought just you and I did. Maybe. Personally. You can say it just in case to remind people. Why? Where does the myth that war is good for the economy come from? U.S. propaganda? I don't know. <laughs> World War II pulled the United States out of the Great Depression. Right. Yes, 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 yes. But generally speaking, wars are god-awful for the economy. Yes. And the great example, my uh, one of my um, economic teachers in college at Miami of Ohio, woo, taught me, is that it's never good 
to spend a whole bunch of money and a whole bunch of resources to build a ship, sail it out in the middle of the ocean, blow it up, right? That's just basic economics. No, I, that's I, what's I happening think about over and over and over. Yeah, again, it's right? it's not really good to just remove you know twenty five percent of eighteen year olds from the country. You know, mm-hmm. like, it's mm-hmm. probably not great. Yes. Um, uh, so okay, so we are we need money for a country, and Lots we do not have a lot of money because, yes. as we know, they now, were fighting a war. Yeah, wars are uh, terribly expensive. Yes. Now. Mm-hmm. Trivia, Lisa. Uh-huh. One of the major countries that was involved in World War One was only involved for one year, and none of the fighting happened on its soil. <laughs> what country was that? <sighs> France. I'm <laughs> just kidding. Um, I don't know. Portugal? Lisa, come on. Oh, us. Yeah, the United States. Oh, you were pointing. I don't know if you were pointing down or at yourself. No, south of Portugal. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was like Morocco. Um, okay, really, we, it was just for the year. Yeah. Yeah, it's like we, Americans love claiming that we are the reason that the European or the Allied powers won World War One. It is. We were very important. Don't don't get me wrong. Like we came in there the last stretch with fresh legs, and we beat the living shit out of those Germans. Yeah, because I remember that someone used to own a tank top that said "Back to Back World War Champs" with an American flag in between. I don't know why you would say used to own a tank top. Well, it hasn't made its appearance in quite some time. Well, I got a lot of tank tops, but more importantly, I also have a lot of belly. <laughs> and the more belly you get, the less sexy a tank top is. I don't know. I see you rock it in all forms, Bill. Oh, I'm actually wearing one now. Yes, you're like, you liar. We, <laughs> as we were speaking, I'm wearing a hot pink tank top. Uh, oh, boy. Um, okay, so, yes, no, we love to claim that we helped win both wars. Yeah, and um, again, we did, yeah. to an extent. Yeah. Right, but we also only put in one year's effort, right? Well, but yeah, here's we the key fresh, point. This is like bench. a really long-winded story here. That we have money and stability because we have been a, a power for a while. We've been a democracy for a while. And we don't have any, like, nearly as much war debt. Yeah, for sure. So, guess what we start doing with American money? We start... Uh, is that when the gold standard was set? No, no, no. Okay, okay. you're thinking too hard here. Okay, okay. <laughs> We're going to start giving loans to Europe. Oh, yes. No, I, do, I did know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We gave them... Okay, oh, I might be a spoiler, but now I, I know where that all goes because you explained this to me before. But we do. We give them a ton of loans, yes. which causes quite an issue down the road. Yes. But I'll let you build up to that. <laughs> so, well, I mean, you pretty much nailed it, right? We start sending over the money, just shitloads of loans. Any country who needs some money, we're going to throw it at them, all right? Because we we have we are like free, and we're trying to build allies, and, you know, collect interest, all that sorts of good stuff. Mm-hmm. All right? So we're dumping our money into Europe. Yep. Now... A huge problem with Europe, though, is that we blamed the loss of World War One, or sorry, we blamed World War One in general on Germany. Yes, we did. Okay? We punished them extremely for it, which collapsed their economy even more. Right. <sighs> Led to a lot of bad things. That was a big problem, yeah. right? Yeah. So we actually made, all right, in the Treaty of Versailles, Germany had to pay a shitload of money in reparations. Like, literally an impossible amount of them. Right, right. Like, almost as if you had to pay for every single country's war right. that they waged. Yeah. yeah. And yet, yes, they lost. Right? The Germans lost. Okay? 
But they also didn't really do anything more than the winners did. Like, World War One, I, I think I might have said before on this podcast, is literally the stupidest fucking war that's ever been fought. Like, World War One, or sorry, World War Two is easy. It's good versus evil. Can you explain, like, what happened in World War One? Like, why we started World War One? Uh, well, yeah, I'm the bad, again, I think I'm not a good baseline. Sure. Um, but... I, all I know is, uh, oh, sorry, mom and dad, but it, I I always thought it was just a bunch of people's dicks being flung around and um, being like, no, I'm more powerful, no, I'm more powerful, and a lion's here and enemy there, and all of a sudden life's terrible and you're dying yeah. in the trenches. Right. It, 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 it was a dick swaying contest. Okay, right? cool. Nailed it. The Habsburgs. Versus, you know, the Ottomans and, you know, the British and then the brand new Germans were like, oh, no, look how big my muscles are and stuff. And, like, it was all so stupid. It was like right. so many people had to die for no reason. Yeah. And then Germans had to take the blunt even though they didn't do anything different, differently. Mm-hmm. Right? And this plays this minor role later. Okay? So now Germany is paying for all of these reparations all over Europe that they're supposed forced to pay. Yeah. But the Germans, all they did was print a shitload of money. Yes. Is that a good way to pay back loans? No, absolutely not. What does that cause? Hyperinflation. Hyperinflation, right? Google hyperinflation in Germany, and you can see kids doing all this fun stuff with, like, building bricks of cash and stuff. Right, yeah, it's just useless, useless money. Yeah, and it's why, to this day, Germany is so fiscally conservative and responsible because of the disaster that happened there, right? Exactly. Now, so they start using American dollars to rebuild instead. Yep. Something happens. I think I'm going to botch this date. I'm going to try to nail it. I'm a history teacher. You don't have to know a lot of dates these days. You probably know this one. I believe it's April 24th, 1929. Do you know what we call this? United States yes. history. Oh, uh, well, I mean, I think it's the start of the Depression. But, oh, shit, what's it called? Um, uh, you nailed the important part, which is what it is. Right. No, I know, but now it's going to bother me. Um, yeah, I... Something about that dicks. Black Tuesday. Black Tuesday. Yeah. (laughs) Black Tuesday. Yeah. Stock market is going to crash, which is going to set off the American Great Depression. And since our money is so tied in Europe, it is going to cause essentially a global depression. Yeah. Now, something else is going to happen not long after this. The United States is going to pass something called a protective tariff. It's called the Smoot-Halley Tariff. And what we did is we jacked up the tariffs on receiving Chinese, oh, I mean, uh, you know, like French and British goods. Uh, Sorry, excuse me for misspeaking. And they then did this something called a retaliatory tariff, which is it cost us a shitload of money to send goods to Europe. So all of this stuff that we used to sell to the Chinese, I mean the French, (laughs) they didn't want anymore. And we had a shitload of it and no market to sell it in. Yes. And meanwhile, the Brits wanted to sell it to us, their goods to us, and we couldn't, we didn't want it anymore. It was too expensive. Right. So the tariffs also doubly fucked our economy and Europe's economy. Mm-hmm. All right? So this economic situation is going to be the backbone that is going to lead us into World War II. Okay? It all comes down to Skrilla. Wu-Tang says it best, cash rules everything around me. Mm-hmm. Cream, get the money, dollar-dollar bills, monster. <laughs> now, this is up to 1930, okay? Meanwhile, over in Asia, China, mm. largely because of European like uh, oppression and shit like that, 
has collapsed into a massive civil war. A guy named Hideki Tojo. Is it wasn't just the Europeans, though. Wasn't the they had they were the Japanese Japanese for sure. I mean, I would just remember they were just getting it from like all ends. right? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> but the Japanese are acting extremely European because they are being right. so imperialistic. Right, because we learned about this in our other episode about. Uh, it's called Isolated Japan. Check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, check out that episode. You get more, way more background. Way more background. Now, so because everyone's imperializing China, China's in a terrible spot, they start collapsing into civil war, Japan is be- take, being like a, slowly this guy named Hideki Tojo, who is an ultralistic, uh, ultralistic? I, I don't know what that word, what is that word? I think you were going to say ultra something. Yes. And then you, <laughs> I don't know. That wasn't a word, ultralistic. <laughs> well, <laughs> maybe we'll have your own little vocabulary by the time this podcast yes, is done. Yes, sure. Okay. Ultra what? Ultra militaristic. Mm-hmm. Well, that's where it is. It's yes. a great little combination. Ultra nationalistic, and he's taking power in Japan. Yeah. Okay, and that's what's going on over there in the 19, late 1920s, early 1930s. Yeah, and like people are just losing their shit. Mm-hmm. Left and right. Mm-hmm. Left and right. Now, because the economy is so bad in Europe, mm-hmm. we start seeing this little thing like, uh, you know, dark times call for desperate measures sort of things. And this little Italian guy who talked super emotionally and waved his hands around. Mm-hmm. And he would say stuff like, it is pathetic that Italians are like this right now. Italians are the greatest people to ever live. We are the Roman Empire. Now we are like living off of shit and scraps and blah, blah, blah. We are going to return our country to greatness and to glory. Yes. Who is that guy? Dwight Schrute. Dwight Schrute. <laughs> uh, Mussolini. <laughs> yes. For those of you who don't know, it's a hilarious office bit. You should check it out. Just Google Dwight Schrute, Mussolini. I used to show it to my classes. It's hysterical. It's pretty, pretty epic. So Mussolini's going to get elected in Italy, and he is the uh, purveyor, starter, inventor, I don't know, of a certain uh, political ideology called... Fascism? Fascism. He wow. Yeah, I guess I never really thought about that. I just, I just thought he was a fascist. I never thought he came up with it. Oh no, he was the first fascist. Wow. Okay. Absolutely, it's an Italian word. Yeah, I guess if you ask me, fascism and who's been involved would be like Mussolini and the country that like. Yeah. Yeah. Quick fun note: yeah. where the root word is, mm-hmm. a tight bundle of sticks in Italian was was something called a fasci, and it was a weapon. Like, you could beat the shit out of someone if you tied the Fassi? sticks together. You sure it wasn't, like, facci or something like that? Well, I'm because sure like, in fasci, Italian fasci, it was pronounced facci. Facci. Yeah, okay. But, like, I'm, you know, Americanizing this. Oh, okay, okay. And, like, the whole point is if you just have one stick and you hit someone with it, the stick's going to break. However, if you have a whole bunch of sticks and you unite, unite them together very tightly, then you have a weapon called the fasci. And that's where it came from, was fascism. Together, like, tightly, we're a weapon. Tightly, we are a weapon. Right. That's kind of like their version of our snake that we learned. Yeah. Because Ben Benjamin Franklin tried to unite the colonies and equated it to a snake caught, uh, chopped up, which is on the don't tread on me flag. And then he's saying stronger together if you're just one big snake. And, he, and so he's yeah. like sticks. It is different flags, though. Don't tread, don't tread on me is a different flag. But but Similar there is a don't. I saw, I saw one flying. It's white and black. And it has that. And it says don't tread on me on it. The one I saw in the Smith Mountain Lake, I saw it. I was that was the join or die flag. 
Oh, shit, you're right. Damn yeah. it. There's a join or die flag Ugh. and a don't tread on me Yeah, flag. I messed that up. And they're both revolutionary war fla- flags. One of them was adopted by the Tea Party, so you see it a lot more. No, I know, but it didn't used me. to have that connotation. It didn't, no, but, I mean, it's kind of, that's what it means now if people yeah. have it. Um, right, that's true. Okay, sorry. Derailed. Derailed again. Ugh. Now, <laughs> fascism, all right? So, that little Italian man, all right, mm-hmm. gets all the Italians riled up, all right? And the Italians are going to go back to war before the most of Europe because they're going to invade an African country. You know what that African country was? Oh, I should. Um, oh, what is the one country that speaks Italian? Or like? No, of? that's actually not it. Okay, then I don't know. It's Ethiopia. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. The Italians are going to invade Ethiopia specifically because Ethiopia is one of two countries that was not colonized at the Berlin Conference when all of Africa got divided up. So you could invade Ethiopia without pissing, out, pissing off the other European colonies. Right. So they go and try to invade Ethiopia, but Italy's can't even invade little Ethiopia. Yeah, well, your six suck. Yeah. Well, um, now, maybe more important mm-hmm. than Mussolini taking power in Italy is that Mussolini inspires an even littler guy, an even angrier guy in the country of Germany. Guess who I'm talking about? Was Adolf Hitler smaller than him? Yeah, they were both little fellas. <laughs> Napoleon complexes. Yeah. Ugh. yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah, Hitler. He is yes. coming to, yeah, the fore. Because it takes a while until it turns into, like, I, <clears throat> I just remember learning at some point that Hitler was kind of doing his thing for decades before you really get to A the, decade. Really? In 1930s, little angry Adolf Hitler is going to go to a campaign rally for something called the National Socialist Party. Yes. And he likes what these people are saying. The big thing of what they're doing is they're denouncing the Treaty of Versailles for blaming Germany too much. Yeah. And they're also denouncing something called the Weimar Republic. Do you know what the Weimar Republic is? Uh, This is great trivia. Current governing body of... Germany. Germany. I was going to say Germany. When you, when you say current, current, you mean like 1930s. Yeah, yeah. At the yeah, time, yeah. who was in charge? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because it, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. So the Weimar Republic is like super liberal and super progressive. Like you could be, they were one of the first countries, like you could be openly gay in Germany. Like yeah. 10 years before the Holocaust happens, you could be gay as all hell wandering around Germany, just openly gay. They let women vote. Yeah. Like it was. It's insane. That is so insane. Mm-hmm. I, this, I mean, it just goes to show. I mean, it, it, it is truly incredible how a person or small event can just completely turn something on its head. And, it, and also, it's just important to remember, right? Because I think sometimes people, and I mean, understandably so, because what happened in the Holocaust was horrific. But what happens in all war is horrific. And I think sometimes people tend to think of countries and cultures differently because of the wars that they engaged in. But at the end of the day, it's it seems it's either arbitrary based on who was in power at the time or... You know, some huge forces like a collapsing economy and whatnot that literally, I mean, repeat themselves out anywhere in, in the world. I mean, it's just unfortunate, but it's just random. Right. Um, sorry, that was a rant. That, that was an interesting rant. Uh, <laughs> well, I need to cut that one out. I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. But let's talk about Hitler a little bit more, shall <laughs> So he is going to like what the uh, National Socialist Party is going to say. Yeah. 
Um, and he's going to join it. And he's going to start giving his own speeches. He's going to love what Mussolini's saying in Italy. And he is going to become a dude who gives a very good, charismatic, angry speech. Yes, yes, he's a very good speech giver. Yeah. And he's going to also say what a lot of depressed Germans with no money and no jobs want to hear. Yeah, but it's not your fault. It's the Jews' fault. It's not your fault. It's the Mexican immigrants. (laughs) I mean, sorry, the Jews. It's the Jews' fault that you don't have a job. It's the Jews' fault that you can't pay your rent. It is the Jews' fault that you can't take your bread, like money, and go buy bread to feed your family. And if you're like starving and hungry and things aren't going well for you, mm-hmm. you're going to say, yeah, this guy's right. I am a great German. I did everything I was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. I'm a good old Germanic dude. Mm-hmm. Those damn Jews aren't. They have all the money. All right. And he's going to gain so, so much of a following just by being charismatic and giving them someone to blame all their woes on. But we should also just, I don't know how much detail you're going to get into all this. And it's really a shame because I tried to start reading this massive book on World War II and I only got through the first couple chapters, which is mostly Hitler's immediate rise. And I'm about to cut off my knowledge in like two seconds. Um, but I, I remember somewhere somewhere along, he did have a really strong following and he did rise to power really quickly in that way. But in the end, it really was only 10% of Germans that really got him in to you know high up power and then after that there was like a lot of maneuvering and he kind of got lucky and getting control of the whole country so it really wasn't like the whole and, and then there was years and years of brainwashing until things yeah. got really bad well, so it was quite the yeah he, he's elected see now we're getting to a point where i can't remember we've done so many podcasts now i can't remember if we've touched on this before in our pods or if we've only had this conversation yeah, to ourselves I know. we gotta we gotta start reviewing our pods a little better oh man but, yeah, to your point, he got elected with only 10% of the population voting for him in, in 1934, I think it was. Yeah. And But the way the German government worked is if you're 10% of the vote, you get 10% of the representation. Right. And basically all of these other German political parties are going to become terrified of – Hitler, because he's kind of a psycho, and the Nazis, yeah. right. that, that he basically is able to force a lot of people out of power. Yeah. And then will essentially just take over, like, full control and become the Fuhrer in, like, 1938. Right. So it takes him some time. And wasn't it... I might be messing this up. Not a lot of time, four years. Yeah. But wasn't even his rise to power, like, it was, like, the first role of the kind? Like, wasn't someone, like, a more of a monarch in charge? Like, didn't he take some power away from a monarch? Well, he, he – n- no, the monarch kind of collapsed at the end of World War One. He took power away from the chancellor. Chancellor, chancellor. Yes. That's it. So the chancellor was more of, like, a president. And yeah. he got rid of the chancellor, and when he got rid of the chancellor, he declared himself the Fuhrer. Yes. Okay? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Now – so that's what happens in, I believe, 1938, where he is going to have full control over Germany with no political opposition. And the, nazist make, the, sorry, the Nazis, make no mistake, were also fascists. So right. the Italians have fallen to fascism. Germany falls to fascism. Mm-hmm. By this time, Spain has fallen to a fascist named Francisco Franco. Mm-hmm. But he is way less popular because Spain remained pretty neutral during World War II. Yeah, so he just said, I won't attack you, Germany, and I won't attack you, Mussolini. We're all fascist, but like Spain's so bad, we can't even get involved in this war. Yeah. Okay? So, Europe's falling to fascism. Meanwhile, over in Japan, 
Tojo is a big time fascist. You just wouldn't sort of call it that because it's a different flavor. Yeah. But it is hardcore nationalism and hardcore militarism also happening in Japan. Yes. Okay. Now, we're missing one of the big pieces of shit that takes power after World War One. Who was missing Stalin. from this country? There you go, Lise. Joseph Stalin. Mm-hmm. God, this guy's a piece of shit. Total piece right? of shit. So who is the Russian dude that really is like a good leader, though, like a kind of a piece of shit still also, who, <laughs> who leads the Russian people into communism? Do you remember that guy? Oof. Alexander. Peter the Great? Alexander the Great. No, a communist, Lisa. A communist. You're talking about... Oh, um, <laughs> Marx. No, 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 he's a German it's, it's, writer. This is ideology. Um, Vladimir Lenin. Oh, shit. I totally forgot about Lenin. You, yeah, yeah, clearly. I don't know. Putin's giving me so, so much anxiety. I mean, I can't... <laughs> no, um, Vladimir Lenin is the, the first communist ruler. Yeah, no, I did so, know that. That was yeah. stupid. Yeah, you just needed to be told. You know, Sorry. it's hard to answer these questions. Sorry, spot I guess. Like that. Yeah, okay. Lenin. Vladimir Lenin, mm-hmm. okay, is a communist. A lot of bad sort of propaganda about it here in America, but he is a pretty pure communist, mm-hmm. right? And his goals are pretty purely communists. Yes. But he is going to die prematurely, and he has like a circle of like eight dudes basically that might that are like his crew that might take over in his steed mm-hmm. stead. How do you say it? Yeah, close steed. enough. Right? So he dies. Who's going to take over? Right? Is that Stalin? Is that well, Stalin? Stalin basically just kills or exiles everyone and takes over, right? Yep. But Stalin is a heartless son of a bitch, right? All right, and Russia is screwed because you know they they're in the same position everyone else is. They don't have any money, so he's going to nationalize the farms. He's going to collectivize the industry, okay, and he is going to turn them into a very un-Marxist communist state, where basically the Soviet Union controls everything and they're terrible at redistributing the wealth and the food right to the point where it's like he's causing genocides yes in his own country because he's targeting people to not resupply with their limited foodstuffs yes. so when we say that stalin probably killed about 24 million people yeah, it right. starts with these like right. intentional um, yeah. famines disgusting mm-hmm. disgusting mm-hmm. 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 So, terrible economy leads to the takeover of these four terribly shitty people. Yes. Okay? Now, they all start pushing the boundaries of the Treaty of Versailles. Okay? Mm -hmm. They start building up their militaries again. Hitler and the Germans, they were not supposed to have a military that was bigger than something like 100,000 soldiers. He builds up a big old military. They were only supposed to commit X amount of dollars to developing military weapons and stuff. He builds this massive army. To the point that literally the, what they call it the Nazi war machine. And it was like one of the biggest and best armies to the date that we've seen in history relative to the rest of the world. Yeah. We do nothing. Now, part of the reason I say we, I mean like the Western world, the people that the winners of World War One, the signers of the Treaty of Versailles. Yeah. There's no there's no international law. You know about this stuff. Well, right. I mean, <clears throat> I mean. Well, in, in international, even if there was, I mean, th- this is the issue with international law and, and, and balancing it with the sovereignty of countries, is that international law only exists because states allow it to exist. And all the countries have to kind of 
choose to abide by it. But there is no there is no governing authority that can actually punish you for that because it's it's in an, it's of the states, it's of countries, so they don't police themselves. Um, right. And and so it, these things they're all based on norm setting and like outrage from people, but like there's really no way to enforce any international law. Was one of my professors once said the closest thing we have to an anarchy in this world is international law. Yeah. There's no way to police it. Nope. Because ultimately you have international laws to avoid war, but war is also the number way to enforce people following international law. It's a tough situation. It is a tough situation. And and it and it violates sovereignty. I yes. mean there you if you choose to attack another state for that for their actions. Um yeah, it's really tough. But um, but there are instances of of it helping. Of course, but that's but, not yeah. what's happening. But no, it's not. Yeah. And in the most and the and the sad part is the most serious cases yeah. where you really need it to hold up is where it can't yeah. because there's too much force involved. And, and a big part too, that something we create we created the League of Nations. In fact, the League of Nations was the 14th point of Woodrow Wilson's 14 points of how to prevent future war, mm. which is largely considered a great work of diplomacy. Probably because Woodrow Wilson was born and educated in the state of Virginia. Uh, <laughs> uh. Uh, but the problem with the League of Nations, like a big weakness they had, is that the United States didn't join the League of Nations. We created the idea and the concept of the League of Nations, yeah. and then we didn't join. So, right. like, immediately the League of Nations was basically weak and useless to begin with. Like, right. what are we going to do? Like, I mean, Right, which is why it does not exist. Yeah, and it doesn't exist. It's a great precursor. It's a nice yeah. little step and, yeah. sh- and it's stuff. It's to figure it all out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a complicated situation. Yes. Um, anywho, oh, by the way, we didn't join because of previous document that the United States had passed. We talked about this the other day, the Monroe Doctrine. Uh, yes. Remember when, like, all the Europeans pulled out of the Americas and America was like, no longer will Europeans be involved in American affairs and vice versa. <laughs> so yeah. Congress was like, we're not going to join the League of Nations because of this document, the Monroe Doctrine, that was signed in, like, 1830. Wow. Fun fact. What a callback. Yes. So, anyway, we're going to wrap things up here with with the start of World War II. Okay. World War II is going to start in Europe officially. Uh, when Adolf Hitler is going to invade Poland in September 3rd, 1939, Mm -hmm. at the same time that Stalin is going to invade from the east coast. East coast? Of Poland, sorry. The eastern border. Border. Yeah. Sorry, that's way better. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the Germans come in from the western border, the Soviets come in from the eastern border, and they take over Poland in like a month's time. Yeah, well, who can, I mean, come on. Yes. There's, I don't know if this is real or legend, but uh, apparently you can see like what was going on was German tanks were firing their like, you know, cannons or whatever at Polish soldiers who were still on horseback swords. I don't know if that's legend or if that's real, but neither yeah. one would surprise me. Yeah, well, it still paints a helpful enough mental image, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, Poland was actually one of the brand new countries after World War I, so they were only a 21-year-old country. Right, I mean, I'd like literally everything going against you yeah. in that scenario. Yeah, yeah. By the way, for those of you who are confused that Hitler and Stalin invaded Poland together, just to be clear, shortly after that, after Hitler secured the border, he then invaded uh, the Russians from the south. So that's why Stalin was an American ally 
and they weren't allies together. Okay. Okay. That's what happened in that 21 years. Oh, by the way, and what happened in Asia? 21 years. The Japanese are going to invade China. Right. And then they're going to bomb Pearl Harbor. Yep. That's why you have the war in Asia and the Pacific and the war in Europe. Yeah. Just a terrible series of dominoes. Mm Mm-hmm. Ugh. People. Man, but God, what a century. I mean, are you... I mean, jam-packed. Jam-packed century. Yes, and I think, and I actually have this conversation with my parents a lot. For those of you who are discouraged about the way things are going in the 2000s, I want you to think about the way that the 20th century started. We had World War I, Spanish flu that killed off 10% of the population of Europe. We had the collapse of all these empires. Then you have World War II, which is immediately followed up. You didn't even mention the Great Depression. Oh, yeah, the Great Depression, sorry, way worse than the uh, the 2008 Depression. So great call, recession. Um, And then you have, like, the constant threat of being nuked to death from the end of World War II to 1990. Right, right. No, no, no. I know it was really, really tense, and I think – um, it is so important to keep that in mind. I mean, I think, you know, everyone, whenever you're in a situation, it's hard to imagine, you know, anything but what you're feeling and what you're doing at that time. But, and so I understand that. But, I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, if you actually look at what's happening and, you know, around the world, and of course there's there's terrible things happening in the Middle East. And, um, so, so, so many issues. So I don't want to gloss over that. And, of course, there's a lot of anxiety and stress in, in the States right now. And Okay, I'm just going to start listing bad things now. So I'm not going to do that. My point is just, you know, just what you're saying. It, it really was, there were some seriously terrifying, you know, like moments where your life was at risk at many points in, in that part of the, in that part of the century. And I just, it's really important to remember that because, because that's not how it is right now. Right. <laughs> there's no Things draft. Are better. There's no one, yeah, there's no, no matter one. how bad they seem. Yeah. Most parts of the world. Yes. Can't speak for everyone though. Absolutely not. Don't yes. want to minimize anyone's problem. All right. I think we're done with the history part. All right. Um, Lisa, is there anything you want to talk about pop culture was? We haven't done a pop culture talk in quite some time. Yeah? I guess not. Uh, I have something I would like to talk about. Okay. Uh, how dope is Euphoria? Oh, yeah. You're obsessed. <laughs> uh, Euphoria, the HBO show. Um yeah, I really like it. It's also somewhat terrifying thinking about raising or the prospect of even raising children in this day and age because they just get into so much shit and there's so many drugs and oh my God. But uh, it's really well done and it's really well acted. And it, it at the end of the day, it gives a sympathetic view to, to being a teen in this yes. era. It is a really it's nice so blend of being like total trash but also like intriguing and like feeling for some of these characters and it's like it's not just like total trash like watching the movie party monster or something like that mm-hmm. like there's meaning behind yeah. what's going on they're definitely trying to send messages and yeah um and yeah and you know what also really strikes me is just I mean, this sounds corny, but I mean, teenage years are so formative and like to, like, they just play out these things that, that show how they can literally shape these kids lives and they're just their thoughts about themselves. Like you, you see them learning about themselves from the situations they're put in and learning false things about themselves. And, um, 
and just see and just think, wow, that just plays out to, like into adulthood. And so you finally realize you have enough experience to, to look at it more objectively. Um, but it's, yeah, it's really quite fascinating. And it also, I mean, all of these, I feel like all shows that um, portray teenagers make them seem older and more mature than they actually end up being in real life most of the time based on the stories and the te- the kids I've seen from your teaching years. Um, but still, it's kind of like, it kind of, you forget they have these whole inner worlds and and all these complex social relationships um it's easy to kind of dismiss it as being like weird obnoxious teenagers but like there's a lot going down yes you know? yes it's really it's important i think well said. i want to remember that when i'm older yes <laughs> just to give you if you haven't seen it yet a little bit like to know about the show there's a character in every movie or show called the straight guy. I don't know if you're familiar with this concept. It has nothing to do with sexual orientation. It is the normal guy or the normal character, could be a female, who isn't like a funny, crazy character who everyone else gets, gives you a point of relativity. So think of any early 2000s movie with Jason Biggs, <laughs> like the guy from American Pie, you know? Mm-hmm. Just a normal dude. The straight character in this show is like a lesbian drug addict. Would you agree with that? Um, would you like who else would be the straight guy if it's not that? Well, there's first of all, there's no rule that says there has to be one, right? I guess not. That's fair. And I feel like that was almost more formulaic of the like the earlier two thousands and like sitcoms and stuff. Okay, that could be true. But um, like like the Jim or Pam of the Office. Yeah. um, Jim's the straight guy. Yeah. Um. Well, the mom. I mean, the, right? I mean, the adults. <laughs> I guess. The, but, the, but not all the adults are Oh, normal. no, actually, they're not. Yeah, yeah that and, one. A couple of them are alcoholics. And it gets way worse than that. But yeah. we don't want to give too much Sorry, away. this must be super boring and ambiguous to anyone who hasn't watched this show. Yeah, so we go watch the show rambling. and then come back. We're going to come back next week or maybe the week after. It depends on what we're doing in Chicago. But please... Tune into my three-part series coming up on the most influential women of all time. I'm super stoked to do this. All right. Uh, thanks for tuning in. My name is Steve. I was a history teacher. And my name is Lisa, and I married him. Blood alone moves the wheels of history. Have you ever asked yourselves in an hour of meditation, which everyone finds during the day, how long we have been striving for greatness? Not only the years we've been at war, the war of work, but from the moment, as a child, when we realized that the world could be conquered. It has been a lifetime struggle, a never-ending fight, I say to you, and you will understand that it is a privilege to fight. Where?